Welcome, everyone, to another episode of FF Plus, your spoiler-free outlet for movie reviews, entertainment recommendations, and discussion. I'm your host, Aaron White, and today I have two reviews for you. One, an upcoming series, and one, an upcoming film. Here on FF Plus, the format is always straightforward. I cover what I like, what I didn't like, and I give you a recommendation about whether I think a film is worth your time and money. That's it. Simple, short, and spoiler-free. If you're enjoying the show, we would love for you to follow us on social media, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or your podcast platform of choice, and of course, share the show with people that you know who also might enjoy it. We'll kick things off with The Terminal List from Amazon Studios. It stars Chris Pratt, Taylor Kitsch, Constance Wu, Gian Triplehorn, Riley Keough, Patrick Schwarzenegger, Arlo Mertz, Jai Courtney, J.D. Pardo, LaMonica Garrett, Alexis Louder, and more. It is directed by Antoine Fuqua and Ellen Curris. It is written by David DeGilio and based on the novel of the same name by Jack Carr. What's it about? The series follows James Reese after his entire platoon of Navy SEALs is ambushed while on a covert mission. Reese returns home to his family with conflicting memories of the event and questions about his culpability. As new evidence comes to light, Reese discovers dark forces working against him, endangering not only his life, but the lives of those he loves. Now look, I came to this series with a little bit of hype, I have to admit. Now, I rev never read the books, uh, but just seeing a cover photo of Chris Pratt as a Navy SEAL in full gear made me expect a pretty action-packed type of military combat-heavy series, and that is something that appeals to me. But what I got was something very different that ended up being something I completely enjoyed. So the Terminal List is based on a book, as previously mentioned by the novelist Jack Carr, the interesting thing here is that Jack Carr himself was a Navy SEAL. And in fact, part of his novels are literally redacted by the U.S. government. They reviewed his novels and he left the parts in there. So if you're reading his books, the word redacted will show up and you'll see little parts where things have been taken out, little details. Now, that has nothing to do with the series but just a little bit of background there to tell you this man knows what he's talking about and he is bringing a level of his own experience to the table when it comes to this story in the first place. And then of course his involvement in the adaptation process as well. He knows what these relationships are like. And I felt that come through on the screen in a strong way. So like I said, it's not, exactly the action-packed special operator showcase that I was expecting. There is a constant tension to the drama, though. And what the show actually turns out to be is a pretty slow-burn corporate, political, and military intrigue thriller with occasional bursts of action. It's actually a lot like the paranoid conspiracy thrillers of the 70s, and I got to give credit to a friend on social media, a fellow critic named Byron Lafayette, for that comparison. 
he mentioned that to me today when we were chatting about the series, and I thought it was just so completely on point, because especially early in the show, when James Reese has suffered all of these tragic losses that set up the events that will take place, and he starts to become unable to trust his own memory, and people are kind of encouraging that, and, and they're they're questioning the, his ability to recall events correctly, and it does harken back to those paranoid conspiracy thrillers where it's like, are they totally setting you up here? You know, why can I, why do I not remember this? And you become, you get to the point where you start questioning yourself. And I, and I think Chris Pratt plays that extremely well in this series. So the way that the show goes, most of the episodes play out with Commander Reese or James Reese uh, gaining information. So, so the first couple episodes set it up, and then he basically is going out on a revenge tour. This is all about him collecting info and intel, making a plan, and then executing some sort of vengeance on the people that he feels is responsible for the losses that he has incurred. When the action does happen, it is incredible. It is so well shot. I think that the tactical nature of it is expertly shown to us. It is violent. It is fast. It is hard. And it is sometimes extremely shocking. The enemy here is unique. He's not fighting overseas in most cases. There's one, at least one event where he does, but it's a little bit different than overseas. It's mostly domestic, and that makes it a unique approach to the way that he combats this enemy. Throughout the film, though, he has this, or throughout the series, I should say, he has this unflinching desire to make these people pay. And it is one of Chris Pratt's best performances, if not his best. And and I would say, you know, Star-Lord for me is such an iconic character that he has created and it really, I don't know, Star-Lord just, it rolls up like all the different aspects of Chris Pratt that we have come to know and love and that really show Chris Pratt the superstar. It's what has gotten him all of these roles as like Owen Grady and Jurassic Park and all these characters that are kind of like Star-Lord, right? This movie, or this, I keep saying this movie, this show does not have that same level of humor in Chris Pratt. Like he he doesn't joke. Like he's not here to bring comedy. He is deadly serious. He is in a very dark place and he oscillates between being in the moment and focused and then kind of losing himself in flashbacks and memory recall throughout. Um it, it is some really dramatic and very emotional beats that take place in this movie and some heavy stuff he also goes into this dark mode and some of the kills, the way that he executes them is extremely brutal. There are a couple of times when audiences, I, I have a feeling, are going to be like, oh my gosh, like that is not the Chris Pratt that my kids have watched in Jurassic Park. So listen, this is an adult show. This is pretty heavy stuff. And I don't think this is for families with young children by any means the the way the things he does to people are 
rough. I mean, he's almost an anti-hero at times because he he straddles the line as he's trying to get revenge in a way that makes you question how far he should go, how far you would go if you were in his situation and you had his, obviously, his skills and abilities to, you know, get back at the people that hurt you. But he really makes it tough to root for him at times. But I loved it. I loved his performance. I love the direction of the show throughout. I think that it's incredibly intriguing and compelling all the way through. I did not know what I was getting into. And it left off with me thoroughly curious about what would happen next. I know that there are more books. I actually immediately went to Amazon and to Audible, started looking at them, trying to decide if I wanted to read or if I wanted to wait and hope that they made more. Haven't decided because I feel like if they're going to make another series after this or you know a second season or whatever, adapt another book, it could take well over a year. So maybe I should just go ahead and read it because I loved it. Love this whole thing that Jack Hark has created. Some of the other positives I'll note, Constance Wu is a journalist investigating things that ends up becoming an aide for Reese and you know, playing her own role as someone who's trying to expose the truth. Love her in this. Taylor Kitsch, big fan of him for years and years and years. I've always thought he's incredibly underrated actor. This is like a sweet spot for him. This is like if Tim Riggins, his character's name Ben in this, but this is like if Tim Riggins from Friday Night Lights was an actual Navy SEAL who was a teammate with James Reese and then his character Ben in this, he goes on to be a part of the CIA when we meet him. And he is like James Reese's best friend. He ends up bringing a little bit of levity to the situation. He's pretty much only the only character that does that. And not in a out-of-place kind of way. This Again, the show's not comedy in any fashion. But he just, he he knows how to kind of like calm things down just a tad. And I, I love how their relationship grows over the course of the series or how it grows for us and, and as he's helping him out and how things are questioned by him as well. Again, gets back to this idea of how much would you trust someone and believe in them if they were on this personal vendetta? How much would you put yourself on the line to assist them? Gian Triplehorn is outstanding in this. I haven't seen her in anything in a long time, but she plays the first female Secretary of Defense. Her character's name is Lorraine Hartley. And as you can imagine, being the first female Secretary of Defense, her character is incredibly ambitious and driven. Is that good or bad? Well, you'll have to watch to find out. Um, There's really good interplay here between the various government and military agencies and corporations and how all of these things work together to create this dark problem that has occurred. Uh, Some of the episodes take place on Coronado Island, which is the home base for Navy SEALs for real. I personally have lots of memories of being on Coronado, not because I was a Navy SEAL, but because the Navy often deployed out of Coronado and some of the units I was part of. Um, would do some work there. We we also did some work with the SEALs, sort of. And so I've been there quite a bit, and it just it was cool to go back and see some stuff filmed there. Again, I just really, really love this. I cannot tell you enough how thrilled I was with this series. I was not 100% sold on it. Originally, I wrote down a negative thing that 
each episode is a solid 60 minutes and maybe this could have been tighter, but honestly, by the end, I was pleased with the pacing and I really enjoyed every bit of the show that I got. And I think that, you know, I still think you probably could have tightened it up slightly. You know, you could have maybe had each episode be 45 minutes or something like that and it would have worked. But honestly, by the end, I was so overwhelmingly satisfied that it didn't even register for me as a negative. I don't have anything that I think is strongly negative to say about this. It's one of my five favorite things, at least, that I've watched all year, and I, I can't recommend it enough. So if you dig your military-type stuff, you dig you know special operators, SEALs, um, Army Rangers, that kind of stuff, um, if you dig conspiracy thrillers, I think that there's a lot to love here for a lot of different people in the realm of adult entertainment. And I hope, 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 hope that this series catches fire and that they make more of it. I, I think because I don't know that that's going to happen or not, I'm going to have to just read these books and uh, go, I'll go ham on them and just find out what happens because I need to know more. I just love these characters. And it's cool because now I can read the characters in the version with the version of them in mind that I know, at least for people like the main character, James Reese, who's played by Chris Pratt. I can envision Chris Pratt while I'm reading and I I think I would enjoy that. So yeah, The Terminal List uh, on Amazon Studios. This will be streaming on Amazon Prime Video on July the 1st. Make plans now. Please watch it. And then find me on social media and let me know what you think. Again, this is one of the most rave reviews I've ever given on this show, at least for this year, but if not ever. And I would love to know what you think about this one when you get a chance to see it. My other review for today is The Sea Beast, coming from Netflix. It stars the voice work of Carl Urban, Zaris Angel Hattor, Jared Harris, Marianne Jean Baptiste, Dan Stevens, and Kathy Burke. It is directed by Chris Williams, and it is written by Chris Williams and Nell Benjamin. What's it about? In an era when terrifying beasts roamed the seas, monster hunters were celebrated heroes, and none were more beloved than the great Jacob Holland. But when young Maisie Brumble stows away on his fabled ship, he is saddled with an unexpected ally. Together they embark on an epic journey into uncharted waters and make history. This was a movie that was not incredibly high on my radar. I saw it advertised by Netflix in some random promo drop, just like they tend to do with like 10 movies in a list and, and very little info about any of them. I thought the poster looked cool. It's animated. I saw that Chris Williams was making it, and that perked my attention up a little bit because he is an Academy Award winner. He was the director of Bolt, which I adore, and Big Hero 6, which I love, and he was the co-director of Moana, which I like quite a bit. So he has a strong track record of working with Disney, and I was curious what he was going to do off on his own here for Netflix. The movie is outstanding. Loved it. Probably my favorite animated work of the year so far, I would say. It's funny because I just did an episode where I was talking about Lightyear, and I said the same thing, but I think that this stands above Lightyear for me. Um, this is essentially, imagine a movie that takes a little bit of Master and Commander and a little bit of How to Train Your Dragon and a little bit of the Bible's Book of Jonah, and throws them all together. That's kind of what you're getting here. 
it is a real treat, especially for people who like naval battles and anything on the high seas. The animation's outstanding in this. The sea beasts look completely badass. There's multiple different ones, so I like the different designs of the sea beasts, and they're absolutely huge. And I think that that's important for the way that the story is being told because they are something that most people would by nature fear like crazy if you were to see them. The ocean animation is beautiful as well. And I think the film has a wonderful, adventurous score that fits the tone perfectly. The Sea Beast is essentially, uh, like I said, this tale of a ship that is called The Inevitable, which I love, by the way. The name The Inevitable is really fantastic for a ship that is out there hunting sea beasts. And these ships are full of what essentially is a twist on pirates, these sea beast hunters. They are crews that are out there. In this case, they think that they're doing good. And so there's a government to this world, and there is this long-standing war between humans and the sea beasts. And so this these crews operate with a hunter's code, kind of like pirates. There's a little bit of magic in this world that's interesting. And they're out there, and their job is to give their lives at all and at all costs, keep these sea beasts at bay and kill them so that the humans feel safe. Ultimately, this goes into a place that explores ideas of heroes, of heroic death, and whether or not... That's something to be valued, especially in the context of the little stowaway girl, Macy, who is an orphan because her parents died uh, when they were sea beast hunters. It also, it's not entirely a fresh story. It, like many stories have before it, kind of approaches this idea about learning to see the world differently uh, when you're inspired by someone with a fresh perspective. So Macy and Jacob become friends. They go on this adventure together, ultimately bonding over their experience. And it helps them begin to question the way that the world works and why it works the way it does as they interact with sea beasts in a way that is unexpected to them. So I loved how that played out in this one. Again, not really something fully new, but I like the execution of it. And just in general, the mythology of this world had me incredibly intrigued. And much like the terminal list, this left me kind of very curious about what could happen next in this world and what other stories they might be able to tell. The voice performances are all very good, but I have to point out especially the vengeful old captain played by Jared Harris. Whoever cast Jared Harris in this type of role, it was inspired casting. Fantastic work by him. He fits his character like a glove, and I, I thought it was great. And there's some awesome action in this as well. Some, some sea action where the ship and the sea beasts are going off against each other. There's some sea beast on sea beast action at one point as well. I'm very, very high on this film. And I hope that everyone will check it out. It will be available streaming on Netflix on July 8th. So a couple weeks from when this episode comes out. This one I'm giving to you just a little bit early to get your uh, whistle wetted. And hopefully you will be 
looking forward to this and giving it a go. Be a great family film to watch whatever weekend that it comes out. So yeah, there's my review of The Sea Beast. Well, that's it this week on FF Plus. I hope that you have enjoyed. And if you do see the films, as always, please let me know. Find me on social media at Aaron L. White on Twitter. You can find me in our Facebook group or our Discord group. All of these links are always in the show notes. So check those out. Come follow us. Come join the conversation. I'll be back soon. Until then, keep watching and keep feeling film. Thank you.